Welcome to Highly Volatile, an unfiltered podcast for real-life professional traders, investors, and top executives. To be the best, you need your thoughts and perspectives challenged by the best. This podcast series features some of the most thought-provoking and disruptive minds in both business and investing. My name is Kevin Van Trump, and I'm joined each podcast by my good friend, legendary trader and angel investor, Andy Daniels. Together, we attempt to challenge the conventional and gain a better understanding of the disruptor. We search high and low for wealth hacks and exciting new investment opportunities. But at the same time, try to uncover hidden pitfalls or unforeseen changes coming our direction that might rock our worlds. We hope you're challenged by our unfiltered thoughts and conversations and enjoy our highly volatile podcast. And please remember, there's risk in trading futures and options. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources, foundations for you to buy or sell any commodity, any stock or any type of other investment. So make sure you use the podcast as an educational tool to broaden your horizons and maybe add a bit more perspective. Hi, this is Kevin Van Trump here with another edition of our Highly Volatile Podcast. I'm super excited today. I've got Matt Crisp on the uh, line here, CEO of Benson Hill. And, you know, it's one of our uh, early ag tech startups that we've followed and been a part of. As, as everyone knows, I'm part of the founding uh, all investment team with iSelect and our friends Carter uh, Williams in the group. And Matt and I have developed a friendship through the years. And, Matt, great to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Heck, yeah, we were just – you and I were talking, Matt. Oh, we were on a conference call uh, a few weeks back, Matt and I, and we're trying to help Benson get uh, a few things going. We'll get into that here in a few minutes. But Matt took takes a retreat each year. Uh, takes goes back. What do you tell him, Matt? You tell him. You tell the story better than I. Well, it's like therapy, right? You, you've got to you got to clear your head every once in a while in the in the world we live in, especially. So I, every year, uh, my wife and I have an agreement that. We each get five days to to unplug completely to go away, and um, I use that to uh, have a little bit of a solitude moment and uh, try to find a find a remote enough place where I don't have to see anybody, hear anybody, check email, uh, talk on the phone, nothing. So unplug, truly unplug for for five days and five nights, and I just got back. So, uh, does she gift you? the five days and like send you where she wants to send you or do you get to each pick your own or how's that work? <laughs> you get to go wherever you want man no questions asked you get really? to go wherever you want i don't even know where she goes oh well that's <laughs> awesome so does she go with friends sometimes or you go with friends or no not usually or? well you know a couple of years ago she did it with friends and um and but yeah. she's done the the solo thing as well and um you know it, it's kind of you, you get you get out of it you know, you can ask yourself some fun questions when you're by yourself for five days, right? And uh, so, anyway, it's it's been a it's been a a treasure. Uh, I think this is my sixth year doing it, and um, yeah, I wouldn't give it up. Yeah, cool. No, and when we do these talks, I like to you know when and I hear a lot of my friends who are either you know wealthy wealthy hedge fund people down to uh, you know folks that are running a multi-million dollar farming operation. It's kind of like to hear a personal side of what we've got going on with you and I or how we're doing our things. And 
What's, uh, I know we both like to read a bunch. What are you reading? You, you read anything new or exciting or you read anything? That's... Yeah, you know, it's funny. Jordan and I were doing, uh, we were having a conversation a few months ago, um, and we were talking about um, generalist, right, and the idea of being a generalist, which means maybe we know, we know um, a little bit about several things. And so I found this book called Range, uh, it's by Epstein, is it David or Scott? I can't remember. But uh, Range, and it's about generalists, and I'm finding it actually really fascinating, um, you know, sort of perspective on how people think as specialists and how if you think kind of in an in a interdisciplinary way, you can um, learn a lot faster, uh, develop unique insights and so I think I think it's I think it's um, so far so so good and I just finished you probably appreciate this Merchants of Grain. Do you ever read that? Yeah, yeah. Target store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, obviously in the that was in the '70s, but a super interesting kind of history tale on information asymmetry and in the grain trade and how how the ABCDs came along. But anyway, I have to ask you the same thing though. Tell me what you're reading. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been doing a bunch lately. I, I don't know because the markets have been nuts. So and probably because my <laughs> wife and I have hunkered down here at home. So shit, I've just been trading nonstop most of the days. They're not. So I've just been really hunkered at reviewing my just overall thought process. And you know, I tell the kids all the time and every. You know, I mean, a lot of life is your ability to filter the noise and kind of be able to listen to the music and ha- and how do you how's that process, you know, how do you put those pieces together in a, in a process? So, oh, I've been reading a bunch of Annie Duke's books again and some of the other bigger, higher poker players. And, uh, oh, Jim mm-hmm. Simmons. Uh, he, Jim Simmons kind of launched the quant revolution. Jordan got me that book at uh, Christmas, uh, The Man Who Solved the Markets. He kind of launched the big quant thing, but how he built it. Oh, the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quant, the quant guy. How is, how is that, by the way? Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. It's just it's interesting to me how people think so much, you know, different. Everybody's just there. I come to the conclusion a long time ago that you know, life. I started off as a technician, a technical trader, and trained a lot of technicals in the market. And how one of the guys I got to know was Larry Williams, broker, and Tom DeMark, and these guys wrote all a lot of the technical books. And I was this big technician until I wasn't, you know, until the market proved me wrong. But you know, I just I just think everything in life. There's part art, part science. Uh, you know, involved. If it was just as easy as, as putting in a videotape or reading a book and following the two plus two is four, we could all do it. But it's always that art side mm-hmm. that's so elusive. And, you know, and you read a lot of these people and a lot of their trying to get better in touch with your intuition and, you know, your subconscious thought processes and how those processes play out. It's just kind of tricky. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear people that are really taking it to the next level. I'm sure a couple others mm-hmm. that, uh, uh Oh, Danny, uh, Danny Meyer, that one guy that uh, wrote the book. I think it was called Setting the Table or something. And we, so we have several businesses and different businesses, and you know, I mean, a lot of our things resolve, revolve around customer service. And he's just, and him and Tillman Fertitta were talking just how much different the word hospitality is from customer service. So we've really been trying to hammer that home more in our various businesses everybody says we're gonna have good customer service well hell that's not enough anymore you know it doesn't seem like it's you know the word hospitality is so much different and and so that's you know, just pick up a few different things from reading a few different books so just like you you know it's nice to to be able to have some time alone i guess where you can 
I guess, uh, you know, comprehend all that jazz and, and get through it all. So that's been good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, we're getting more and more of it these days. <laughs> now I hear you. How's the uh, – are you guys in the office? Are you not in the office? Or what's the what's going on right now? Yeah. We've been – you know, we've had critical staff in the office. And, um, you know, with the protocols, it's still a really, a really thin crew that's in here. Most folks are still working from home waiting to, like me, get vaccinated. Though I have come in, you know, a couple days a week for the last few weeks and – it's kind of nice to see some faces, even though I can only see half of people's face. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, I, you know, I get energy from being around my colleagues, and so it's been it's not kind of been hard sometimes. You know, not not interacting and being relegated to phone calls and Zoom all the time. But how, how about you guys? No, yeah, we're not working. Everyone's kind of just working remotely. I got one guy down in the Cayman Islands and one out in LA, and She's just been telling me horror stories from out in L.A. And he, for the listeners, you guys are in St. Louis. Jordan's been down to your new headquarters. And when did that get finished? Not was it a year ago? Gosh, it was in the summer. Yes, June. Um, okay. Yeah, we were really fortunate. It it was only delayed a few weeks. That, that and it's I have to tell you, you know, this tilt wall construction, uh, Clayco built it with us and. Man, oh man, to see how fast they can, with the technology these days, put up a building like this, 160,000 square feet in less than a year. It's, it's absolutely insane. But, you know, to be able to do it for a facility with state-of-the-art laboratories and, you know, yeah. we've got obviously the data science, but all the food science laboratories and the plant science laboratories under one roof, it's been, it's been something to watch. And I can't wait till people get back here and we can all collaborate a little bit more actively. For sure. Well, why don't we back it up a sec? Because I, you know, I've had a ton of people when I go out and speak around the country. You know, they'll ask me, you know, what's one of my favorite events, one of my favorite ag tech startups, or one of the, and I resoundingly say, I, you know, Benson Hill, and that's kind of where my friends and some of my richer friends have some of their money, and that's kind of who we're the horse we're betting on to win this uh, thing, as you eventually, hopefully, uh, roll out and go public. And I know a lot of people here, the name Indigo or FBN and, and all the money they've raised and the, the push they're made. But when I go out, Matt, I'm telling you, a lot of people just, they really don't know, haven't heard the name Benson Hill, and they're just not 100% certain what exactly you guys do. Is there, if there's a, a, you know, a simple version of kind of, I remember when we first met, you kind of gave me the background and kind of tell the listeners a little about what you guys foresee yeah sure so you know really we're we're developing um technology i mean and that's the that's our core so let me start there but technology that makes better seed which ultimately makes better food and ingredients and when we think about that linkage you know the seed that we put in the ground it creates all the food and ingredients and the consumer has demands that um you know, are only getting more and more focused on quality and uh, identity preservation and sustainability and tastiness. And uh, so they want to know where their food comes from. And so what Benson Hills evolved to to do, and we're doing it now in beans and um, imminently some other crops, but is link those consumer demands and, you know, areas, frankly, that are premium back to the grower. And, and serve in some respects as a bridge in the food system such that 
you know, we can take uh, you know, profit gains at the consumer level, give them a product that they want, that they know where it came from, that's got more nutrition or ta better taste, flavor, et cetera, and, and, sh and share that value you know, back to the grower. And, and we've done it, are doing it now, as you know, in oil. Um, we're doing it in, in the animal markets as well with feed, um, well, premium non-GMO products for soy meal. Um, we're doing it for the for this booming alternative protein movement that the consumers driving in part um, at the at the ingredient level. But we're actually delivering the ingredients and the and the and the meal, you know, out to feedlots, out to uh, CPGs, you know, food companies, um, uh, innovators in the in the food value chain. And, and just, you know, setting up a system that, you know, does translate value back to the farm and, and increases on-farm profitability, uh, allows the grower to participate, you know, in the, in the demands of the consumer, but in a way that's, you know, putting more profit per acre in, in place. So let me, let me give a, let me see if I'm even close with my elementary dumbed-down version. <laughs> you got started, you had a team of scientists and I remember you kind of saying like you know the back end of Amazon or Amazon World Services and you guys were going to provide the team of scientists and the tools and the technology with CRISPR and some of the other things to help uh, at that time with seed companies or help various seed companies you know or people that were wanting to create different seed varieties and you guys were working and you were the back end tools for uh, some of these companies correct? Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. Kind of an assumption. Well, then, is it then end users started? Because I just, I just, I was on a phone call yesterday, and it was the same thing you told me three weeks ago. These people were saying, "Hey, we're seeing this massive push and demand for non-GMO feed." And I'm like, right, "Remember when we were right. talking?" I'm like, "What? Come on!" And these people were saying, "No, huge." They were seeing some huge, huge numbers come across of people that are wanting this non-GMO feed. And so that's mm -hmm. what you and I were talking about. So I'm guessing some of these people that have certain food, restaurants, whatever it may be, they can now come direct to you and you make them the seed that is specific to their kind of needs or demand or whatever it may be. Am I kind of in the ballpark mm -hmm. on that? Or, and, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right on point. And, and you know, when you think about some of these, uh, let's use poultry. And you've got some yeah. poultry producers out there that have got some non-GMO, um, um, you know, non-GMO plans and some non-GMO product lines, and you know, they're 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 seeking a, a closed. I mean, for all intents and purposes, a closed loop system, right? They they need to source non-GMO meal. Um, what we're doing is we're layering on an additional value proposition. Because the, the non-GMO meal we're marketing isn't just non-GMO meal. It's low in anti-nutrients, so it improves the, the digestive health of the animal. It's high in protein, so you get better feed conversion efficiency, uh, more nutrition in the animal faster. And, you know, we've even done feed studies with some of these poultry companies, large and small. And, you know, it's, it, 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 it very definitely adds value. So... So non-GMO is a value proposition, and certainly it's one that people are willing to pay for, at least it seems that way increasingly. 
But there's other value propositions, like I said, in the protein and the low anti-nutrient qualities. And, you know, what we've done is we've, we've begun to stack these um, such that you're creating a premium product that, again, it's, it's making enough incremental value that we can begin to, to put that in a closed-loop system and identity preserve it back to the farm and then share some of those economics with the grower. Yeah, that that's what's been just crazy intriguing to me is that how I, I mean, it's my belief, but again, I'm talking my position because I have money invested and we're, we're, you know, we're strong proponents that Benson's going to be the real deal, but people are going to contract with Benson with a, let's call it a script of what they may want. Maybe they want 40% higher protein levels, but they want something taken out or something shorter variety mm-hmm. dated, whatever the, whatever it could be. And your science mm-hmm. team works on that, comes up with what they believe is the right recipe, creates that seed. From there, you have people in-house, and this is where I'm going to come for the listeners. I'm going to be helping Matt and Benson Hill try and find acres then to grow that specific crop on. Right now, there's a few different ones, but as Matt will say, they're going to add to that portfolio as more people contract with Benson and Benson uh, starts to build out and uh, create more uh, specific seeds for other specific needs. We will need more acres in various locations uh, around the country uh, to to grow these products. And what you're telling me, Matt, on our last meeting, and Matt had mentioned, I mean, there's there's some pretty healthy premiums to be obtained that can be passed through because, as Matt's saying, we have this closed-loop system now where the end user can go direct to Benson. They can create the seed. We can then get it to your farm. You can plant the acres. Benson, uh, I believe there's some things in place that Matt was telling me the last time we were on call that I thought was crazy is you contracted to, to do – there's there's – some types of warranties and insurance in place where you can guarantee certain Mm -hmm. yield drags and there's trucking expenses. And um, right now there are some hurdles. And I think that we should talk that too is, uh, you know, we we only have a couple of crush facilities right now, right? That we're we're taking some things to, is that correct, Matt? And then we're going to build that out. uh, Right. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, you got it. And, and you know, when you think about building some scale behind this, Kevin, you know, it, it's, it's like you said, the seed innovation to expand the maturity groups that we can plant, the processing partnerships that we're signing up, the growers, which are really innovative, forward-thinking growers, it, the, it's all working together to expand the footprint. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to see. I mean, we, we anticipate doubling more than doubling acres this year over last year um you know there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of pieces that have to come together in order to make this all work but when you do we're just <laughs> it's exciting right i mean it's like it's like you said it's it's an it's um it's something to get behind because um you know beans aren't always going to be 14 dollars, <laughs> and we if we can take premiums and push them back um, you know, based on high-quality products that farmers are producing, then it, it serves as a win-win, right, for the whole system. Right. Right. Yeah, I, would, I find it interesting in the whole seed space. And it, the seed industry is 
super intriguing because there's so many farmer dealers and I know a lot of my friends and buddies out in the uh, in the space you know they make a healthy income from selling seed and things of that nature but I think this is going to provide just and open up the doors to add diversification uh, you know to the fields and 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 I don't feel like it has any infringement at all on what they currently are putting in place with the standard uh, you know GMO crops or, or things of that nature so that's why we're excited to get folks involved and to kind of get them interested. I, what's your take on this? So I thought one of my buddies, Mitch Evanson, he used to be one of the, the big wheels kind of over at Winfield when they took Winfield to the big valuation. We were talking one night and uh, he was just like, you know, I think one day will come when, you know, they'll just, the seed innovators will just sell seed. It'd just be like, this is a $5 bag of seed. I mean, it's all locked mm-hmm. in. It's, it's a closed end loop. Like you just deliver it to the farmer, he follows these steps. You've already had it hedged. You already had the contract guaranteed from uh, some type of back-end provider, and it's $5 corn. <laughs> and, you know, it just mm-hmm. comes out, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what you've heard. And it's just interesting to me to think of all the dynamics and where – do you do you think that one day you guys will be making specific seed or just, you know – uh, you know, a specific farm in in Kansas versus a specific farm in Iowa versus, I mean, you'll be dialed in that. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I, I, I think you'll get to a place. I, it's, I like that example a lot because what you're, what you're doing is you're, Mitch, I think you said, you know, is envisioning yeah. a system that, um, like you said, you've sort of hedged the position going in. You know where the offtake is you know the seed that you're planting is differentiated versus some commodity that you would have otherwise planted. You know who the buyer is, and there's a, there's a trust there, um, and you understand exactly what has got to happen. And, and yeah, the, the commodity markets may bounce around, but at a minimum, maybe in the near term, what it, what it is serving is some, for some degree of diversification. Um, you know, we go to some farmers and we talk about non-GMO. I think non-GMO comes off, kind of got a bad rap in a little in some ways sometimes because people think, well, gosh, um, it's not going to yield the same. And, and like you said, some of these lines yield as much or more as a GM line. Some of them don't. And we are getting, we're getting really smart about how they behave, how they behave in different environmental conditions, in different regions. And, again, it's not necessarily always about yield, it's about value and profit per acre. And so what we, the team, you know, it's not, not even just the seed science and the plant science, but it's the data science that now helps us understand, okay, you know what? In some of these lines, maybe you get a couple bushel acre drag, right? But guess what? If I can compensate for that or if I can hedge that out, you know, with offtake, um, wonderful, you know, great. Because what we care about, you know, most often is going to be profit per acre. Now, that might not always be the case. And in that in that in that in that realm, I'd say, hey, look, let's plant some high yielding lines, and and uh, you know they'll they'll definitely be you know up there with the commercial checks and what have you. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have to leave additional value uh, on the table, right? We can still plant premium beans, and um, and have options, have diversification. Yeah, I, I agree. I I just I can't believe the. Uh... It is. It's just been a ton and ton of uh, demand, it feels like to me, or at least people talking about demand for 
non-GMO, especially on the feed side, isn't it? I mean, is that just the proof right. from the Whole Foods world or what is Chipotle world? What do you think that? Yeah, it's a great question. We're hearing that the demand is climbing across multiple different feed segments. I have to think, I mean, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you other than to say that there's definitely some consumer influence that's creeping its way back into the supply chain. But, but like many things in ag, right, you've got to hit some critical scale. You know, you can't go to Tyson and say, or, or Purdue and say, we need you to do this with, you know, a thousand birds. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm being ridiculous in my example because it's not even, there's, there's not enough scale for anybody to sort of wake up in the morning. But, you know, if, if they can take down a facility or two or what have you, and it starts to say, oh, okay, well, maybe there really is some premium in this market, you know, and maybe there is some commercial viability. So, you know, we, we've, we've been hearing, um, you know, that, that, that this is of interest and that there's some, some, some volume climb. Um, you know, I hope, I hope it continues for purposes of, of um, you know, again, sharing additional value back into the supply chain and back to the farm. But I, by more so, frankly, whether it be GM or non-GM, I more so hope that we'll continue to see, um, you know, off-takers, feedlots, uh, food companies looking for premium ingredients and feed solutions that, you know, get to this, you know, I, I use digestibility in animals, but also, you know, to healthiness and flavor and other elements that all link back to the genetics. Right. The seed genetics inform all of this, and if we can continue to innovate those and add premium quality attributes to the seed, more differentiation, more products, more value for the whole system. And Yeah, and it's my belief. I think that's going to continue to be the trend is millennials and on down are going to pay for the premium. I mean, it feels to yeah. me like, you know, I remember I went out, oh, hell, I caught a bunch of hell maybe – or four years ago and I told people my wife had first started kind of shopping at uh, Whole Foods and because it was it was close to one of our downtown locations and and, and I said that she liked it and liked it better and a couple of people in the audience are like you know that that's that's crap people aren't going to pay for this uh, premium food you know once all this shakes out and and blah 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 but I I think I think they're dead wrong on that theory and uh, a lot of the things uh, that we grew up with, at least myself, you know, people that are over 50. I mean, a lot of those things are being upset and disrupted, and it was more, you know, cheap food, uh, drive-in, drive-throughs, uh, big box stores, buy cheap, you know, buy the big quantities, the cheapest price you could. Hell, I remember all we ate was ramen, you know, it seemed like in college, and all the other crap that you could think of, and it was just <laughs> how cheap could you get it because you wanted to spend your money in other ways. Well, now, that's just not the case. And, uh, you know, the, the, the kids and these people are, are into this higher premium uh, food and higher premium ingredients, just like you're saying. And I, I listened to an interesting, oh, hell, it was a, I, I tell you before, it was like a 15th century quote from, oh, hell, I know, some guy, it seemed as some, someone in Europe, a philosopher or something, but he said, you know, the world is, moves and is directed by the stories that it loves and believes in. And it doesn't mean if it's right mm -hmm. or wrong. That was this whole premise. Stories don't have to be right or wrong. That the, the world mm -hmm. moves in the direction of the stories it loves and believes in. And I'm telling you, 
I think it believes in climate change, loves and believes in it. I, that's what I said before. It's no coincidence that Elon Musk is, is the richest man in the world. And we put our money in Tesla early, not because it was a car company, because we believe it's a clean energy company. I mean, that, the bottom line is it's going to come down to energy storage. And how do you store energy, whether it's solar, wind, or, uh, you know, however these alternative energies come about because the costs are getting so much cheaper. So how are you going to store that? Well, Musk is clearly the leader in the battery side of this thing and driving down the battery costs right. with his innovation. And, and so we believe, hey, no wonder the richest guy in the world is the guy dealing the trying to, to, to fight this battle. And, and here we are with Benson, and, you know, we're talking about another story that the world seems to love, and that's uh, better quality food and uh, understanding right. and knowing where the food is coming from, what it's about. And so that, to me, because <clears throat> I, I, I sat in a – I told you I went to uh, – I got a call to go to – I don't want to just wrap I got a call to go uh, about five years ago. It was the 75th anniversary of Sturgis. And one of our uh, real rich friends said, hey, come up, meet me up at, uh, you know, up here at Sturgis. They're going to have lunch with uh, uh, the guy that owns Patron and Paul Mitchell and DiGiorgio and these other guys. And they're a bunch of billionaires. And we end up in this small group of about five or six guys. And we were just talking about our biggest fear was the rate of change or the speed that technology is moving. And, Right. Like, you know, it, it scares the shit out of everyone, including the super wealthy. And we just, it just changes so fast. But one of the guys, he's like, you know, I've been a billionaire. I lost it. Been a billionaire. Lost. He says this is his third time around. And uh, he's like, you know, all I know is this. I'm going to just, I'm going to do nothing but invest in things that have to do with uh, food, water, shelter, and air. And he's like, those are four things that can't change. I mean, you got to have it. you got to have food. you got to have the water, the air, and the shelter. And he's like, I, I think if I stay in those spaces, I'm going to be really close to being right, you know. And, he, and he's like, food mm -hmm. was the most intriguing to him because the changes that were going to take place in food, and he's on our bandwagon thinking that this quality shift is going to be massive. And whoever, you know, chooses to try and get ahead of that, in front of that, I think could could really reap some big windfalls. So, you know, I'm definitely on the yeah. bandwagon. See where where things are headed, and I think you guys are trying to stay, you know, really out in front of that and and try and build. What I love, Matt, is that you're trying to build the relationships with the end user, and then pass that back through to where some of these farmers can get involved with that and close that loop down. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be huge longer term. So, you know, we're right, man. right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your support. I mean, and and by the way. <clears throat> you're spot on, in my opinion, about this, the Whole Foods realm. I mean, look, they were bought by Amazon, <laughs> right. right? So clearly there's a view that this is going to become some degree of mainstream. And, you know, I might not be able to afford to shop there, but uh, it doesn't mean that a lot of people, <laughs> that a lot of people aren't. And, um, and, and, and over time, frankly, we're going we're gonna to see the cost for this kind of premium food come down. And, and it's going to get to a point where it's not premium priced anymore, but it's premium quality. And, and, and it's the norm. And we're going to have to figure out how to use crop innovation to help propel that forward. It, there's no, it's no coincidence. So we, you're right. I mean, you're a technology company. We are at, at the end of the day. We call our technology platform Crop OS for Crop Operating System. And so exactly as the notion is, okay, if food is going in this direction, 
what is the operating system for food? It's the crop, right? It comes from the ground. If we can innovate the crop and invest heavily in the crop and the seed genomics and the seed genetics to give us this, these premium products at the end of the value chain, that is the place we want to be betting. And, and like you said, this stuff takes a long time. I mean, biology is pretty slow. It takes years to develop new crops. But what I think we've, we're, we've begun to uh, do at Benson Hill is take technology that is really advanced at a lot of levels from, uh, you know, the commodity sphere that's been used to innovate for yield, and we're now innovating for things like nutrition and flavor and digestibility and all these other things that, to your point, it's, it's the future. It's where things are going. And um, anyway, I get excited about it. It's, uh, yeah. it, it is, well, it, you, it, it, along, with, along with water, it might be like uh, my top two investment areas as well. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I'm assuming you're, you're of the same belief that I am. Like, you know, so Beyond came across my desk several times before hell and everyone public. And I, you know, I poo-pooed and said, nah, I'm not interested. And I, I, I don't, I didn't even like the taste of this fake meat. And, you know, I just like, this sucks. And I, I'm not going to bet. And it came, two or three times I could have messed up real early. And then uh, when it came out, I went public and it went nuts. And I'm just sitting there still kicking and screaming and, you know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then I told to, and I was on a call with the, their CEO was on the call, and they were just, we were talking, and everyone was talking about how much money Wall Street was bringing in and pushing their direction. And his comments right. were, I just can't believe how much money was interested to come into this space. Here's the story people love, right? How much money was willing mm -hmm. to come in and through their doors, and that allowed them to hire really, more sharp people, more brilliant people. And, you know, he made the comment, he says, we're not competitive price-wise at the moment with traditional beef or traditional uh, chicken and things of that nature. But, you know, as we continue to get better and better and our cost and we get more efficient, our taste gets better, the cost gets cheaper. And eventually those two, you know, I guess paradigms are going to collide and, and we're going to see some things. And I asked my daughter, I asked the kids at college, they always come to the house and I said, hey, what do you think of that, you know, Beyond or Impossible? What do you think of that fake meat stuff? And they're like, yeah, we like it, we like it. And I'm like, seriously, you like the taste? And they're like, no, we, you know. And I said, so you think you're going to save the planet or, you know, climate change by buying, by buying this? And they said, no, no. And I, I'm telling you, every single one of them that I've pulled – and I pulled hundreds throughout the country, and they said, "No, nah, we just we just don't like the cruelty to animals thing." And so, oh, right, mm -hmm. you know, it's another. You don't have to believe it. I know farmers take the best care of their animals of anyone, but it's a story people love to get behind. And so here we are, all of a sudden, you know. And so I sit here, and you, you like impossible or beyond. If we see more of these type of companies pop up, I'm assuming you guys would eventually be creating maybe seeds uh, like for mung beans or some type of bean that they would use to make their food as well at times, correct? Right, right, right. Okay. Well, and, the, the, yeah, I mean, the answer is uh, absolutely. Um, right. And remember, you know, you, you, you take Impossible, which is a soy-based product, and Beyond is a yellow pea-based product, and you think about what they're using right now. And it's no different than any other bean or pea that's produced. They're using a commodity bean and pea. 
Now, what if you could take that soybean and boost up protein content? What if you could uh, take out some of the flavor compounds that the food, food formulators might not like? The animals might like, but the food, food formulators might not like. Maybe you can change the uh, oil yep. profile, right, and, and make it a premium. So it, it's, it's exactly what you said earlier. You start with where the puck is going there, work your way back into the system, um, what I'd also say, though, too, you remember when Beyond went public? Gosh, that's, a, that's over a year ago now. Seems like yesterday. Uh-huh. And, and then since then, you know, every CPG company um, that has any idea of a, a you know, protein product or por- potential portfolio angle has announced their own alternative meat analog, their alt-protein you know, products, you know, all, I mean, dozens of them, dozens of them. You know, our view is that this is terrific. It's sort of a leading indicator of where at least they and we believe the market is headed, right? And the growth rates around this, the predicted growth rates are astronomical. Um, but Benson Hill's point of view is, look, we, we're great at, at crop innovation. We, we have crop operating system. We we will we'd love to see these brands lift, but to your point about investment, I, I don't from a Benson Hill standpoint, you know, we hope there's lots of winners. And there'll be losers and there'll be big, big winners, right? But we're we're in a lot of respects the picks and shovels for that. You know, we want to help supply the movement. You know, we're a bet on the trend. But, you know, look, maybe beyond is a household name in a couple of years globally. Maybe impossible is too. Um, or maybe there's five other new ones. Who knows? Who knows, right? But from an investment standpoint, I think betting on the trend is what you and I are most aligned on here. Yeah, I always like when you say you're the picks and shovels. I remember when I first went to uh, start trading at the Board of Trade, a guy said, I don't, somebody had come to me with some harebrained deal about getting a bet on oil wells, and you know, some, they were going to find oil down someplace they were going to drill. He says, you know, you'll learn one day, kid. And he's like, you know, it's a lot better to invest in the company that's making the barrels than the guy out trying to find the oil. And uh, I said, <laughs> that's, that's probably true. I said, I like that. I said, I like I thought, that. Yeah. When we started, you know, that kind of always changed my mind on a lot of things. So, you know, sometimes you have an yeah. oil surgery. Better off to bet on the tanker cars and the uh, the rails and the, and, the, and the barrels than you are the other. So, no, I, uh, I definitely – think you know the positioning is great and you know i'm just excited and hoping that we're able to get some farmers on board and i i talked with a couple uh there were a few farmers at our show last year who grew some crops for you guys uh this past season and i called them all up a few weeks back because i just wanted to circle away and said hey how'd it go uh they were all like look that was unreal they're like we've grown stuff for all kinds of people uh gavel i mean down the line i don't miss you they're like we're going to try and do everything we can uh, anytime you guys have things that they can do. They, they just thought the back end was phenomenal and uh, loved working yeah. with your team. And, and yeah. I, I think that's going to be huge too, you know, and, and as we said, that, that hospitality thing and, uh, and just, you know, trying to overcome some of these big hurdles that we've seen from some of these ag tech startups. I think you guys have the right approach for that. So. Right. That, that, right. That'll be for sure. So. Well, I, let me say, I, I appreciate you sharing that feedback a great deal. You know, it's our goal to, um, 
you know, again, meet our stakeholders, our partners. We don't think this works if you don't have great, great farmers and great partners. And, um, you know, our team, I cannot say enough about our team and the passion that they bring to the table and the commitment that they bring, um, you know, to helping um, establish these relationships to be, you know, forthright, to be transparent, um, to share, like, not just value. It's one thing to share value. It's another thing to share values. And I, I've, I've just, I'm always impressed and very proud to work with the people that I work with. Awesome. Perfect. So what, uh, what's the next big plans? Are you guys planning on coming back to the office in summer? Or what are you thinking? Yeah, see how things play out. You know, we didn't set a date. I'm I'm eager to get vaccinated. I'm on I'm on like two lists already <laughs> waiting. Um, but but um, I, you know my hope is that when the warmer months come, you know transmission rates drop and we don't have any bizarre strains, you know that throw a loop. Um, but you know I'd I'd hope and I'm maybe being optimistic when I say this that we get a lot more activity come you know come June when summer hits and we can really see people back in force. So, yeah, that's saying optimistic. You, you and the wife, got, you guys got any trips planned or anything like that? Or? You know, every June we go up to Vermont with our kids. We've got a almost almost four-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And it's like a family camp. It's a really fun, um, you know, really fun sort of week away, unplugged, close to the Canadian border. So that's that's my wife is counting the weeks until we get a chance to <laughs> till we get a chance to unplug up there together as a family. Michelle and I had never been up there until a couple of years ago, and we spent several weeks there. That's beautiful up there. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize it was. I mean, there's some awesome Where'd you, farms. And we went all. Yeah. Through, did you did you go up there in Vermont or upstate? Where'd you go? Yeah, all through Vermont, uh, Maine. I'd never been all the way up into Maine. We went, you know, we, we flew into New York, jacked around there for a week or so, and then just kind of started to get lost, as mm-hmm. we like to say. <laughs> we just got lost Good all through those. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was awesome. So, and then we we're supposed to be in. Uh, we we're supposed to take this really awesome like trip all through Europe for three months uh, back in May of last year, and then Corona hit, and that all got shut down. So yeah, we're. We haven't done anything. We're kind of excited to get out and do something, but uh, I don't know what it does. Are you going to do it this year? Are you going to do the three-month uh, three trip like, this year? I would like to, but everyone's telling me, you know, you don't want to get stuck or <laughs> I don't want to get sick over in Europe and end up in the hospital <laughs> over there. And that's like, I'm not sure about that one. We may let another year tick off and pass before I go. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, the vaccine's got to happen. You know, we just got to get past this and over this hump. I, I don't even know what to think, but I'm hopefully it, hopefully it's behind us soon. And, yeah, we'd, we'd love to go over and just piddle around. So, you know, we're yeah. getting, just getting ready to get out, try and do something. Hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll soon be past us here. So, yeah, that's really it on our end. You know, we you made any uh, – Good stock tips, good stock trades, or anything? You been doing anything lately, or just all work? Uh, you know, I've been watching the market. I, it, it's funny. I, I'll tell you, I set my um, my eight year old son it came home the other day and he said, "Dad, we should get some GameStop." And I went, "Oh gosh, here we go." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my twenty six year old son. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. 
So I, I've kept it. You know, I've kept an eye on it. We're I'm a I'm a big believer in in genomics innovation. I've I've actually put put some of. I don't know if you saw. You know, Carter's a big fan of Kathy Wood and Ark. Oh, have you, yeah, have yeah. you kept so up with her? Yeah, we're trying to get her to come talk at FarmCon, and uh, I have her back. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. An email last week. Yeah, that'd be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah, she'd be great. Yeah, yeah I, I've been uh, – yeah, man, what an awesome – yeah, I, I'm super impressed. And I, <laughs> I looked – I opened up top ten holdings on that genomics ETF, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is incredible. <laughs> and then I listened to her talk, and she is – I mean, she is really compelling. So I don't. I think it's a long way of saying I haven't found anything that I've sunk my teeth into other than some things I've held for a while, like uh, NVIDIA and yeah. um, uh, Fate Therapeutics. And I'm a fan of uh, no, the, the guys over at Precision Biosciences, another uh, gene editing healthcare startup. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, those are, those are fun ones, sort of. We know enough about them to know that they ought to do well. <laughs> That's about generally it. follow the trends, like you, follow the trends, like you said. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, Kathy Wood, she kind of just blew up this year. She manages uh, Arc Investments, and they've got some Arc funds out there that Matt and I are talking about. And I had the kids invested in them. And uh, I, someone sent me her slide deck the other day uh, from one of her presidents. Oh yeah. It was intriguing, yeah. I mean, on her thoughts on just, you know, you really have to be on the right side of where all this technology is headed in her core sectors. I told my daughter, so my daughter's finishing up her architect degree, and she's going to uh, maybe go get her master's at one of the, uh, you know, the, the higher-level schools in the U.S. here. But this 3D printing thing has blown up and gone nuts. And mm-hmm. uh, I made a pretty good clip about two years ago. I'd asked Kennedy when she came home, I said, you know, every time they come home, we're sitting at the dinner table. I just show them like, what's you know, what's new, what's happening, what are kids spending their money on, and they have to think, you know, and it just racks their dome, and and they're like, Dad, come on, man, with all these questions. And I hit them up that a couple of years ago. And Kennedy made it interesting because she's like, I don't know, I just see all these girls everywhere I go, whether it's at ACL or Coachella, they're all using Adobe now to Photoshop, you know, all of their pics for online yeah. social media. So I bought Adobe off that tip and how the damn thing like doubled or tripled. And it's been, but I give a lot of those. So my daughter is just telling me all of this. She has to spend a fortune in architect now doing all this 3d printing stuff. She'll bring home furniture from her furniture portions of the class. She'll bring home, I mean, crazy stuff like huge items that she'll have 3d printed. She says, you know, just even at her college, wow. uh, there's many, many places that do this 3d printing. And I look on Kathy Wood saying she has a 3d printing fund. I mean, it, ARC is a big believer that 3D printing is going to be huge, and so I threw some money in there for uh, my daughter. But yeah, I, I, that Kathy Woodson, it's, it's, it's interesting to see her where she thinks things are headed. And I, I at least believe I'm generally in the same ballpark. I, I definitely learn things from her every uh, time I read her new position. So, yeah, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of great stuff, yeah. for sure. But it, yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, you know, we've probably covered a lot. No, we've been on here for a little while, but I just wanted to uh, reach out and make sure, you know, touch base with you. I know we've talked a couple of times as of late and make sure everyone's got their eye on Benson and just where things are headed and where things are going. You seem to uh, be pretty happy and excited about where we're headed uh, and, you know, probably be some really big things in the next year or two, don't you suspect? 
I, I suspect, you know, we're, we've been real, really busy. You know, last year we had that round led by Google Ventures and uh, uh, Wheat Sheaf, and that's put a lot more fuel on the, on the innovation fire, product development, hiring, building, supply chains, et cetera. So there's a lot to come. You know, we did this Rose Acre Farms Partnership in Indiana a couple months ago, and it's, it's exactly as we talked about earlier, deepening, strengthening yeah, the supply chain and the relationships. Yeah, go ahead. Is that with the crush facility? Yep, yep, you got it. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what, tell me before you know what, so when you have, when you take a line, a specialty product there, they have to shut the whole line down, clear the line, clean it, and then run your specialty product through. Is that how that works? Now, what we'll do is we'll have windows where folks come in and, you know, we'll actually oh. set it up such that we can, yeah, we can produce at scale. Um, huh. You know, and to be honest, it, it, it's, there's, there's enough interest in, in these products that, you know, we yeah. can produce stuff at scale. It's not ticky-tacky, you know, few loads at a time kind of volumes. I mean, we're running, you know, tens of thousands of acres of, of material. Where do you have people growing seed beans at? Do you have people you contract with that are all over the place? Or I know some of the big seed companies, you know, have them help. Some in Hawaii, some in Brazil. I I got a customer right here not far from me, Matt, that, oh, hell, he's probably you know, an hour or two away. But he has a seed cleaning facility, and he uh-huh. grows beans. He grows beans for the biggest uh, producer uh, in Brazil. So, I mean, they contract around huh. him, but he's just south of me. Well, east of me, but... Yeah, you know, that's why I was wondering. Do you guys have people you just contract with all over the place, or just you know, we've got or... regions, yeah. you know, from northwest Iowa, you know, across the I states um, into Indiana, uh, that Seymour, yeah, uh, Indiana, with the Roseacre relationship I mentioned. Um, but uh-huh. we'll go down as far south as Arkansas, and so right. you know, we're while while there are pockets, you know, obviously that we need to build out where we don't go where we don't force farmers to you know, drive forever uh, you know, so there's right. there's there's a you know bands of bands of focus but you know we're really we're trying to create a diverse um, geographically diverse funnel um, such that you know to your point earlier yeah there's some folks that really would like to work with us and I'd like to get on the platform at the same time, it may, may, may not make sense because of their location, but it doesn't mean that it might not make sense next year or the following year or after that. Right. So we want, we want people to know who we are, and, you know, even if it doesn't mean we can partner right away, develop a relationship. True. Do you guys foresee – I mean, I'm not even sure if I'm even asked the right question. Would you venture into things like cotton, rice, hemp, different – Good question. How do you say do you, that it just depends. Huh? It depends what the market uh, brings. Huh? Yeah, it depends. I mean, the bean portfolio right now is is remarkably strong. Um, okay. We yeah. do. We like. You know, we've talked about peas. Um, you know, that's a that's that's a cool crop. Um, we've made some investments there that we'll talk a little bit more publicly about in the next few months. And um, you know, we've got a couple other crops on the protein side that you know we we kick around, but. From a production standpoint, in the near future, you know we're really hitting the, we're hitting beans as hard as we as hard as we can. Yeah, I just remember being down when we went and toured uh, Galen's place, Galen Lawrence, uh, in that oh, yeah. operation with cotton. 
I just remember him talking about how, you know, some of these people that are selling T-shirts at Coachella or whether it's in California or to the, you know, it's just another story that people love is, uh, you know, this certain organic, you know, just a certain non-GMO type of cotton and this, that, and the other. And it's like, wow, just, I just mm-hmm. see these stories everywhere that it's like, wow, Benson Hill could be uh, the, the picks and shovels behind that uh behind that story at some point. So yeah, it's interesting. I love I love that you're using the picks and shovels now. I love it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I like. I I just think it's so good. I just think it's, you know, it's uh yeah, behind the scenes so to speak. So I, I hope that's uh that it all plays out as planned. So I, I don't want to take much more of your time, Matt, but I, I appreciate it and you know, Hook you and I'll stay in touch and I'm gonna try and introduce and talk to some of my producers and, and see if they want to uh you know, try and get some acres involved or at least get in touch and stay stay uh on the platform and, and if things come down the pipe that they can use sure as heck uh get it in their hands and let them see if they can to make a little extra money with it so i'm excited about it yeah awesome well we really appreciate your support kevin um i always enjoy our conversations as well thanks for having me and do keep heck in yeah. touch and look forward to working together some more hey you guys got a new ceo or a new uh uh cfo didn't you I didn't, I didn't we did, Deanne. Deanne, what? Uh, where'd she come from? Is she in house or? So, she was a uh, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper partner for many years, um, and now uh, and public company CFO for for some years, and sits on the board of B and G Foods, a big you know brand uh, food brand company, and uh, and yeah, so now she's. She's on board, rocking and rolling. She's a month in, and we're and we're already on the phone on conference calls together. Her talking about Benson Hill. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> She's done a great job. I know Melanie told Michelle and Jordan we need to have her come up to FarmCon. I'd, I'd love to hear her talking. I'm sure the audience would too. So, yeah, we'll have to. Oh yeah. If she's available, yeah, that'd be great. Well, we need to get you guys down here when 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 the fog lifts to tour around as well. And uh, heck yeah, it'd be I'd really enjoy hosting you all. For sure. I told some other producers this was when Jordan had went down and seen the building. He's like, yeah, it's awesome. And, I, and then I had a couple of producers I told. I said, if you're down there, you know, down that area, I can surely get you a hookup and go over and check it out. So, yeah, if we get some guys Absolutely. that are growing, uh, stop in and look. Just give us a buzz. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mel- Melanie's going to activate a really awesome tour for us uh, that we can start giving, hopefully, in a matter of, we, I say I always want to say weeks, and then I have to I find myself saying months. Unfortunately, anyway. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, buddy. So, all right. Well, heck, I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you, guys, and uh, I look forward to it. And we'll circle the wagon again here uh, soon. So, thanks. Sure thing. Thanks again. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.